0: U.S. Arab Radio Network presents Season 3 of the Ray Hanania Radio Show, sponsored by Arab News, the leading English-language newspaper in the Middle East. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, veteran journalist Ray Hanania explores issues facing Arab Americans on WNZK AM 690 radio in Detroit and on WDMV AM 700 radio in Washington, D.C. And now, your host, Ray Hanania. Watch the show live on Arab News' Facebook page.
1: And welcome, everybody. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us live on live radio in Detroit and Washington, D.C., live streaming on the U.S. Arab Radio Network at ArabRadio.us and on the Facebook page of Arab News' newspaper, the voice of a changing region at Facebook.com slash Arab news. We are going to explore two issues today that I think you're going to find fascinating. Um, The identity and challenges facing Christian Arabs in America. First, with a Christian American Egyptian elected official, an Egyptian American Arab elected official, Mary Basta, who is the mayor of Bolingbrook in suburban Chicagoland in Illinois. Mayor Basta immigrated with her family when she was very young, settled in Nashville, Tennessee, which is just phenomenal. There's a big Arab community there. I got some of the numbers we'll go over. But uh, in 2003, she and her family moved to Bolingbrook, Illinois, outside of uh, the suburbs of Chicago. Um, Bolingbrook is the 16th largest municipality in the state with nearly 75,000 residents. This was not a small election. She did phenomenally. In 2019, she successfully ran for and was elected a trustee in the village of Bolingbroke. And she was then appointed mayor by her board colleagues in August, 2020, a year later, year and a half. And then in 2021, she ran for her first election as mayor Uh, and she was elected by a large majority of Bolingbroke's voters to a full term of four years as Bolingbroke mayor. How does an Arab American with no experience in politics, but great education and upbringing and family values, rise up so quickly to become the mayor of an important city like Bolingbroke? She showed a great interest and concern in her community. Mayor Mary Bassa is going to tell us more about her life, her family's immigrant story, and uh, her rise in election, something that I think a lot of Arab Americans want to really listen to. It'll help them identify uh, when they decide to run for office. Hopefully in the future we'll see more and more of that. Um, then we're going to talk with Siratib Rabi, a Palestinian who was born in Jordan, Sir Ratib is the founder of the NOVA Heritage Foundation and the Holy Land Christian Ecumenical Foundation, which advocate for Christian Arab rights and Palestinian rights in America. Sir Ratib has been working with the Christian Arab Americans and Middle East communities for many years and will help us understand some of the challenges they face today. The title, Sir, by the way, comes from a very prestigious honor, of Knight Commander of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Vatican Chivalric Order. Arabs are still immigrants in this country, um, and we'll go over some of the numbers later. But um, I think you're going to really enjoy these two interviews that I did with, uh, first, Mary Basta, the mayor of Bolingbroke. And then afterwards, we will talk with Sir Rabbi of the holy land christian ecumenical foundation and the know thy heritage foundation but before we start our interviews we're going to take a quick break so stay tuned we will be right back with our program right after these
2: messages
0: arabnews.com bringing you breaking news from across the middle east and the latest on arabs in america get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at arabnews.com Join over five million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you. Were you recently at the emergency room? urgent care or at your doctor's office? Being told you need a hand, wrist, or elbow specialist? At the Katranji Hand Center, we offer the latest techniques in hand, wrist, and elbow care. From sports injuries to work injuries to everyday hand, wrist, and elbow problems, the specialists at Katranji Hand Center are here to get you back on track. Call us in Troy today at 248-869-4263 or visit us at KatranjiHandCenter.com to schedule your appointment
3: today.
2: Our noses can sniff out all kinds of things, good things and bad things. Your nose knows if those sniffles are just a cold, allergies, or COVID-19. So if you want to be sure, swab and test your nose for answers. It's good to know. Find testing information and resources at michigan.gov slash COVID test. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
0: dc guidelines and is open every day 11 a.m to 10 p.m have an amazing experience today at ishtar restaurant 3625 15 mile road sterling heights
1: and now i want to introduce our next guest mary Basta. she is the mayor of bowling brook who i introduced earlier in the program mayor Basta, thank you so much for joining us today
4: thank you so much for having me it's an honor
1: Uh, And you're one of our first Egyptian-American politicians that I've interviewed. I've known many Egyptian-Americans, like M. Sharif Bassioni, years and years, a great guy. Um, We met many, many years ago when I was doing stand-up comedy. But tell us a little bit first about your family story. How did they get here, and when did they get here from Egypt, and how did they become part of the American uh, fabric of society?
4: Well, it's a a very good story and a very long one, but I'll summarize it for you. We moved here, actually, when I was uh, five years old. So uh, giving away my age, that was 51 years ago. And um, my father's younger brother lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and he and my mom wanted to just come visit him. And they came and loved it. And Off on a plane, they go to pick me up and we uh, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. That's where we actually started is in the South.
1: Well, why did they come here? I mean, from Egypt.
4: So um, at the time, it was there was a lot of uh, insecurities, uh, instabilities in Egypt, uh, some of it political, some of it religious. And as you know, I'm Coptic Orthodox. So my father at the time felt that maybe the future there wasn't um, as bright as he would want it to be to raise a family, and therefore he uprooted. He was uh, very extremely well off in Egypt, very popular, very well-known journalist, and uh, ended up coming to the States and basically starting from scratch.
1: And then, so you come to this country, and does your family face uh, the discrimination that maybe when uh, even like my parents, when they came here, they left to get away from conflict and found a different kind of conflict, a little bit different, people didn't understand who we were as Arabs. They didn't believe that Arabs were also Christian, Coptic, Orthodox, Lutheran, Catholic, it doesn't matter. The idea of an Arab Christian seemed odd to many Americans. Did you face that initially growing up?
4: You know, I I faced a lot of things. Mind you, I was five years old. I was starting in elementary school uh, and, and my parents were basically Uh, working around the clock. So I can't tell you per se what struggles they faced. I just know they had to work extremely hard uh, to secure a good life for me. I, on the other hand, in school, talk about bullying. Uh, Today's kids have not seen bullying until you see a little foreign girl um, growing up in a very white, uh, I'm going to use the term redneck, Portion of Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I definitely know what bullying is. I definitely felt it growing up as being someone who was different, Um, not just in the way I looked, but also in the culture. Because as you know, Middle Eastern culture is very different from that of the US, especially for females.
1: Yes. And and, uh, for those people who are listening, they think, wow, why would an Eric go to Nashville? But the truth is, and Tennessee, there are a lot of Arabs there, a lot of Christian Arabs in the South um, that have gone there and some of them for religious reasons, some of them because of opportunity. It wasn't just to New York, uh, Michigan, Detroit, or even Chicago, they were all over. What brought you to the Chicagoland area?
4: So um, I was working for Sheraton Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a hospitality professional, if you will. And um, opportunities came here in Chicago, of which I took and transferred here. Mind you, it was summer when I came and they had the horse and buggies on Lakeshore Drive. And I felt like it was Alexandria and Cairo. Uh, I didn't do enough research because God knows the winters were uh, horrendous, but it was, it was my job that brought me here.
1: Do our Egyptian uh, Americans' uh, cohesive community I mean, uh, you think, you know, like Palestinians, because of the conflict in the Middle East, we all tend to know each other, identify with each other, and impose ourselves on other people like you and others. But do Egyptians, uh, are they as close together um, or are they spread out? Is there Um, that identity?
4: I mean, there is. There's a passion and there's an identity. And when we gather, we're all for one and one for all. But we're not as... um, grouped together, if you will, as maybe the Palestinians or the Jordanians or even the Lebanese. So you'll find Egyptians in uh, south suburbs of Burr Ridge. There's the young couples, the young families are in the city of Chicago. And then there's also uh, a big population in the Northern suburbs. We're also in Wisconsin and on the border of Indiana. So we're not um, as combined in one area, if you will, as many of the other Arab, Nationalities.
1: So your family then comes to Bowling Brook. I think it was what 2003, um, if I'm correct, right around 2003.
4: Yeah. So when I came to Chicago, I uh, lived in the city like all the single fun people do, and then I decided to to uh, do that wonderful thing we call marriage in the year 2000, and uh, decided to have a family. And the city wasn't exactly the mo- the best place for that. So we did build our first home in Bolingbroke in 2003.
1: And how does a uh, Egyptian-American Coptic Christian uh, from the hospitality industry from Nashville end up becoming the mayor of the 16th, 17th biggest community in the state of Illinois and, one, and, a, and probably one of the top 100 cities in the country? How does that happen? What got you to turn into uh, in the direction of politics and public service? What was it?
4: That's the golden question, isn't it? Like how did I get where I'm at? This is so far from my uh, life plan. Um, I think it was truly the public service part of me. When I decided to have my kids, I left the hospitality industry because it's a 12, 15 hour a day job and I wanted to raise my family. So uh, as my children got a little bit older, I started helping and volunteering. And I I feel that that's very important. And that was kind of embedded in me uh, from the Nashville days. My father was very involved in uh, local politics. So I started helping out at schools and then with their soccer club and eventually in the city of Bolingbroke. just any way I could. I I feel that it's important if you wanna have an opinion, if you wanna help make any kind of change or make a difference, you have to be involved. And um, so I started out, actually, I got on the radar of helping with the previous mayor's campaign, a little bit, dabbled in it a little bit. And um, after he was reelected, I uh, got appointed to one of the commissions, which is the plan commission, which is a pretty big deal, and later became the chair of that plan commission, which put me on the radar to then run for a position of trustee.
1: And you're a unique Arab American and Christian, uh, Arab, of course, Coptic Christian, uh, from uh, family from Egypt. But what's interesting about you is most of the Palestinians I know who get involved in politics are doing it because they have some type of challenge uh, connected to the Middle East that they want to address and correct. It doesn't sound like you got into politics because you wanted to change the politics back home in Egypt where your parents came from. It sounds like you got involved in politics because you felt this need to make the community where your family lives a better place for everybody, including your family, is that correct?
4: Absolutely, and I I still say that I'm not really involved in politics, but more public service. Um, This will always be home to my children where I can say Egypt is my home or even Nashville, but Brook will be where my kids were born and where they grew up and where they graduated from. So I want that to be a place that they're proud of uh, to bring their kids back here or even grandkids and say, this is where I grew up. This is where I was born. This is where my soccer fields, this was my school. And for that to be something that you're proud of, it takes effort and it takes work and it takes long-term planning and thinking Um, So, putting the right people in place, putting the right policies in place, and then watching them get carried out from that point.
1: Is there a lesson in all this in terms of uh, people who get into politics to advocate for something outside of their community? They take years to get into office. They may run six, seven, or eight times before they get elected. You you move into Bolingbroke, you get involved, you focus on your community. Next thing you know, you're a trustee for about a year and a half, I think. And then your colleagues turn to you and say, you know what? Mary Basta is going to make a great mayor for Bolingbroke. They support you. And then the citizens vote and uh, unanimously elect you as mayor. What's the lesson in that for people who want to get involved in politics? What's the most important thing that people need to remember about politics and public service?
4: I think sincerity. Uh, People can see through fakeness. People can see people who are disingenuous. So what is your passion? What is your reason or your drive or motivation behind it? Um, I often tell people it's not about me, it's about we. So it's not what I want. It's what's better for the community, um, what's long-term thinking, planning. And that probably has what has helped me is my corporate background experience, is being able to see the overall picture, the vision, and pick it apart and see what works. And although this managing or running a municipality is not a business, it kind of is. You have budgets, you have staff, you have uh, lots of bosses, right? I think we have about 76,000 bosses uh, here. And, um, you know, people say it takes thick skin. It absolutely does. It's it's hard to sometimes hear the opinions of people on things that they're not very well-versed on or don't even know about. Uh, and then social media has not been uh, uh, always the best. it's It's a great way to get the word out for things, but some people just get behind those keyboards and uh, what can I say?
0: <laughs> and,
1: and I'm gonna I'm gonna restate this because I, I think this is so important. You didn't run for office because you wanted to change the Middle East. You yeah. ran for office because you wanted to make where you are important. And I bet, as somebody who made Bolingbroke important, when people from the American non-Arab community meet you, I bet it has a much more positive impact on how they view your views on the Middle East, because they know your priority is them first before the Middle East. Does that make a big difference you think when you're dealing with people?
4: I think so. Um, I, I feel that it's very important to communicate and educate And, you know, people have they they hear certain things and in the absence of hearing the real story or the truth or becoming more educated, they believe what they hear because they don't know any better. So I am able to have dialogues with people and explain to them my background and explain to them our culture and our heritage. Um, I like to go to events of other cultures and and learn about them as well as well as other religions and like you alluded in the beginning many people say oh you're from the middle east you're arab and you're muslim uh, so that by itself opens the dialogue of no there's more to it and then you know there's the egyptian there's the arab there's the muslim there's the christian and what is what is orthodoxy what is you know i tell them i'm coptic orthodox they say what's that that's greek orthodox i'm like no those are from greece cops are from Egypt. So it is a good segue to educating people on what it means to be from the Middle East, our culture, our heritage, and, um, and more of our background. Sorry.
1: And that, that's okay. Just a couple more questions. I know your uh, time is really valuable here. Um, what just as an Egyptian American, though, wh- what do you think are the biggest challenges Egyptian Americans face in this country? Is there one challenge, is there an array of challenges, or is it any different from any other ethnic group that comes to this country from a foreign country?
4: I think um, Egyptians or Middle Eastern in general is a little bit unique. We have a hard time because we can't let go. We always are carrying the burden on our shoulders of where we're from and the issues that we face you know we underwent a revolution and we changed two presidents and and you're always carrying that you always feel like this is my home this is my country and my culture and what can i do to help Um, but so for us we have lots of, of different issues that we encounter here both one we aren't pure Americans, and so therefore, you always feel that you have to work harder. You feel that you have to achieve more. And then from our family, you know, you always have to be this engineer doctor dentist or lawyer because anything else, then you haven't been successful in your life. So there's definitely some high benchmarks that we instill in ourselves and our children and our families instill in us, and trying to live up to those expectations is very hard while still trying to maintain our traditions and our cultures. Um, Some people hold on to those uh, like they're holding on to life, and some people are glad to get rid of them (laughs) as soon as possible. So um, it is hard to navigate uh, between being true to yourself, your culture, as well as forward thinking and where your current situation is. You know, it's not always when in Rome do as the Romans do. Sometimes you have to do as the Greeks do.
1: So, Mayor Boston, I know that my mother and father wanted me to be a doctor or a grocery store owner. They would have been happy with either one or even an engineer like my cousins and my uh, brother. Um, but I became a journalist. I wouldn't be a good journalist if I didn't ask you, is there any chance you're thinking of running for higher office, like maybe governor of Illinois?
4: Absolutely not governor of Illinois. No way. But thank you so much for offering that. Uh, but you never know. Never say never. Because if you would have asked me four years ago, would you ever consider being in politics or running for mayor? I would have thought it was a joke back then. So who knows? Maybe oh, you know. Governor of Nashville. How's that?
1: I think Nashville is a beautiful city, by the way, I've been there many times. Uh, I want you to know that when the time comes, I will be the chairman of the Mary Basta for governor campaign committee when when <laughs> you decide to do that. Uh, but seriously, uh, Mary uh, uh, Mayor Basta, it really is always a pleasure to talk to you. You're always such a good person. We've known each other for a number of years. Uh, you did help me with my stand-up comedy when a lot of people didn't wanna have anything to do with it. It was just phenomenal to have that support. And I think the lesson, if uh, it tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the lesson from this is, if you wanna be successful in politics, be the politician that cares about your community first, locally that you're running for, and then educate them about other issues that might be important to you that may not be important directly to them.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. That is uh, 1 million percent correct. Totally agree with that. And you're a great comedian by the way ray i love it Uh, thank you so much
1: (laughs) i think some people think my journalism is a little funnier than my uh my comment (laughs) but um listen mayor mary basta she is the mayor of bowling brook one of the i think i said 17th largest communities in illinois which is 17 doesn't sound like much but when you have over what 250 500 communities in illinois That's a huge community. It's not some small little community. It's a big city um, in the Chicagoland area, and uh, it's a huge responsibility. And your fast rise to that office is remarkable. I think people can learn a lot by studying your background and understanding your thinking process. And I appreciate you joining us on radio to share some of that with us.
4: Thank you so much for having me. Always great seeing you and conversing with you.
1: And it's always great talking with uh, Mayor Basta. And you know, I, it's gonna be hard for me to get used to calling her Mayor Basta because uh, I've known her for so long, just so smart. Uh, the way she won office with such a huge, huge vote. And by the way, it is the 16th largest uh, city in the state of Illinois with uh, some 75,000 residents uh, in Bolingbroke. Uh, and that's no small achievement. That is huge. To have won that. So we uh, wish her the best and we look forward to talking to her in the future. We're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk with our next guest in a more general way about Christian Arabs in the United States, in the Middle East, and maybe even a little bit in South America with our guest, Sir Ratib Rabi of the Holy Land Ecumenical, Christian Ecumenical Foundation. So we're going to take a quick break. And we will be right back, right after these messages.
3: Arabnews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at arabnews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you.
2: In a perfect world, everyone would be a perfect driver.
0: Hands at nine and three, everyone. Nine and three.
2: Everyone would follow all the rules. Please,
1: go ahead and merge. I'll make room.
0: Thank you, fellow driver.
2: And nothing unexpected would ever happen. Even the squirrels would know the right time to safely cross the road. In this perfect world, you wouldn't have to wear a seatbelt. But in case you hadn't noticed, We don't live in a perfect world. About a 1,000 people in Michigan die each year in vehicle crashes, and thousands more are injured. Wearing your seatbelt reduces your risk of death in a crash by 45% in a car, and by 60% in a pickup truck. So until we find a perfect world to drive in, make our imperfect world safer by buckling up. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning.
0: With more than 30,000 successful in vitro fertilizations, IVF Michigan is now ranked as one of America's best fertility clinics according to Newsweek Magazine. IVF Michigan fertility centers are the recognized leaders in high quality fertility care. With locations in Bloomfield Hills and nine other cities in Michigan and Ohio, IVF has experts in all aspects of the field. A founding member, American Board Certified Dr. Nicholas Shama, is one of the leading reproductive endocrinologists in Michigan and Ohio. He has performed over 20,000 successful IVF cases, and it's helped thousands of couples fulfill their dreams of parenthood. When it's time to get personalized care from Dr. Nicholas Shama at one of America's best fertility clinics, call IVF Michigan Fertility Centers in Michigan and Ohio toll-free at 855-952-9600. 855-952-9600. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish offers a great array of your favorite Mediterranean meals. Meals range from lamb specialties, shawarma sandwiches, and seafood dinners. Plus, they offer big trays of your favorite food and so much more. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab is located at 32839 Northwestern Highway in Farmington Hills and is open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So stop in or call Kashat's today at 248-538-9552. That number again, 248-538-9552. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab will definitely leave you satisfied.
1: All right, now I'm like to introduce my guest, uh, Sir Ratib Rabi, Palestinian born in Jordan, founder of Know Thy Heritage and the Holy Land Christian Ecumenical Foundation, as I mentioned during the intro of the program. Sir Ratib, thank you for joining us today. We so appreciate you joining us on radio.
3: Thank you for having me, uh, Ray.
1: And, you know, I couldn't, I was doing a program this week on the Christians of the Middle East, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk to than you. You have spent your life addressing Christians from the Middle East, mainly Palestinians, but all Christians. You're active with uh, not just a Know Your uh, Heritage, but the Holy Land Christian Ecumenical Foundation. You were one of the founders. Um, it's a powerful and important organization. And I thought you're the person I need to talk to to find out how we're doing is Christian Arabs overall, and of course, the situation of Christian Palestinians. Talk to us a little bit about your activism, how you got involved in this, because not too many people do this. So what what motivated you to do this and to found the Holy Land uh, Christian Ecumenical Foundation?
3: Okay, that's a good question, because uh, I I am, uh, my life, you know, came to the States to go to college, got married, and... Looking at the situation, I've been active for Palestine as volunteer for a long time. In 1998, I uh, led the promoting a Nakba for 50 years. And I worked on it for one year with all the Arab American organizations AAI, ADDC, Brazil Society, Ramallah uh, uh, Federation. All, all we worked on it uh, day and night for one year, and we raised hundred thousand dollars we put ads in the washington post and we did a lot of the the quilt you know too many things at the end we found out we didn't penetrate you know the american audience and all who came are arabs or uh, palestinians or americans already they are pro-palestinians i said i need to do something different what i can do in order not to waste my time on on uh, 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 preaching to the choir then I looked at what's going on, there is one organization has the best uh, uh, advocacy marketing plans, which is the Zionist movement, they did everything, you know perfect, you know, that's why they are successful, and when I saw them becoming Christian more than the Christians, and they, they got to the evangelicals in order to help what you call Israel. I said, why not us? As Palestinian Christians, we are part of, uh, we are into uh, the Bible, Act 2, 11 16, the Arab there were there at the Pentecost where the, the church started. And this is, we are not converts. We are, uh, you know, original Christians, since Jesus Christ. And I said, i need to do this and i starts working on it i uh, created the holy land christian ecumenical foundation with with a priest in 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 the holy land and with uh, went to the churches and i found out everybody interested in into this topic and i found out that a lot of americans they want an organization belong to them because uh, we are telling them you know the holy land is your spiritual home you are not a friend of ADC or AI, you are, you know, the Holy Land. That's, you know, made it clear that, you know, uh, Dasik, this is their organization, and this is what we are suffering in, in Palestine. And this is why uh, I, I did uh, uh, the defeat the concept where they say the conflict in, in Palestine is between, it is a religious conflict between Islam and Judaism. And it is not. It is a political one between Arab Palestinians and uh, Israelis over the land. Because we are the Christians suffering as much as the Palestinian Muslim. Muslims. You know, that's where, you know, they start people thinking, where did that come? You know, and everybody starts talking about the Palestinian Christians. Even when I started that, a lot of uh, uh, colleagues and uh, activists said, why are you doing that? We are all Palestinian. We are all Arabs. Why are you doing this? I said, just give me a chance. I'm, 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 I'm copying what they are doing, and that's, you know, two, three years later, shows that I am not crazy. I am. Um, I went to through the the right uh, channel, and people starts listening, and uh, more churches listening, and I got. I didn't go to the evangelicals. I went to the mainstream Christians, Catholics, which there are 85 million uh, Americans, which they support Israel because of ignorance. I went to the mainstream Protestant churches, like Presbyterians, uh, um, Lutherans, uh, Methodists, you know, they are all not not on, on, on the, the, the right side, you know, they are, uh, uh, wants to know the, the truth. And that's why the success I have. And three years later, I had two choices. Either I continue with my advocacy, or I, uh, uh, and that's it, and I have to drop my business, or stick to my business, because I cannot do both. I decided to go for activism and, and start that.
1: And I think it's very important what you emphasize. This is a political issue. This isn't a religious issue. Christians and Muslims are together. We suffer the same way in Palestine. We identify together against being oppressed and demanding our rights. Americans though often don't understand that. And what's ironic to me is America is a Christian country and yet they don't identify with the Christian Palestinians. Why is that?
3: Because the propaganda by the Zionists, they let you know that we are not really Christians. We are just using Christianity for for Palestine, but we showed them that it, we are different, and that was the the, the uh, uh, activism we started as Christians, and they start understanding. And uh, we followed that by fa- fact-finding missions. We start uh, taking uh, pilgrims on the Palestinian tourism way and uh, put them in Bethlehem and let them visit the. Uh, the Holy Land in areas where they don't have holy places, and they start understanding the Christianity and the Palestinian Christians.
1: I, I tell you, as a Christian Palestinian myself, my whole life, I've always been surprised why Christian Americans never sympathized with what happened to us. And I think you gave a good explanation. And But that's a challenge that we face, don't we? As Christ, Christian Arabs, The Christian Palestinians, I think, are a big segment of that population of Christian Arabs, but there are a lot of Christian Lebanese, there are Christian Egyptians. We're going to talk with the Christian Egyptian uh, after this segment in a little bit. Um, Is it the division in our nationalities, the different Arab identities that causes our problem? Why aren't we all Arab or why aren't we all Christian and Muslim fighting for the same thing? Why? What undermines us, in your opinion? Uh,
3: it is two things. You know, uh, the one thing is that some Arabs they don't understand there are Arab Christians. We are, you know, in the Levant area more understandable because we are mixed Muslim and Christians. You know, and with, with that we started uh, uh, thinking about why cannot the christian uh, because in christianity we don't we 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 separate government from uh, religion and you know that's why we don't have to to uh, be advocate as christians yes i am christian and most of the political parties in the middle east started by christians you know and but they weren't saying we are christians and now i am voice this out as we know we are Christians. We are hear that we are Arab Christians. We are not Christian Arabs, you know, and that's made the difference in, 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 in advocacy, uh, our advocacy for the Arabs for Palestinians. And with that, I became representing the Arab Christians in, in, in by default in the United States. I was in a conference, you know, in Turkey. And they asked me, the Syrians, have, they had a meeting with the prime minister at one time, they asked me to come and present uh, represent the Christian, the Syrian Christians, you know, and I went and I talked about it. Um, they weren't happy about what I was saying, but anyway, but that's how they look at it. Now, you know, then I, I extended that to the Egyptians. And then, you know, uh, it, it was too big of, of, of uh, a mission, And I just kept focusing on the Palestinian because this is where we want. But, you know, I said how we can work together as Muslim and Christian. We did during the Daesh era, you know, uh, I extended hand to the Muslims. I said, look, I am willing to help you with Islamophobia. If you help me to help the Christians in Iraq and in, in, in Syria. And we work together and, you know, you protect them. And I am, you know, work uh, and I speak, you know, about Islam and who are the Muslims and who are the Islamists. And this is where I start working, helping in, uh, you know, clearing uh, the, the concept of Islamophobia and who are the Muslims. And this is, we work together at one point in a mosque in Virginia. We have the best fundraiser for the Christians who, uh, fled from Iraq to Jordan, and it was all from Muslim, uh, 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 you know, uh, people who donated that money. Yes, we did that, but as Christian and Muslims somewhere else, still we are have to to prove that we are Arabs, but we are Christians, and this is as clear as that. We need to educate sometimes <coughs> our our Muslims, you know, and then uh, uh, then we can move forward on that level.
1: Do you think that the Christian Arabs find it too easy to step back because they're in a Christian country like the United States, they could assimilate without ever identifying it with, as Arab or with the problems, the political problems from the Middle East. Is that part of our problem that, that many Christian Arabs don't uh, become active or activists for this bigger issue? Muslims on the other hand are identifiable, and in the U.S., they're singled out, but Christian Arabs, you can look at us and say, oh, maybe he's Mexican, maybe he's Italian, he goes to my church, he's not different. So it makes it easy for us to step back and say, "Uh, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to do anything. Is that one of our problems?
3: It is not, you know, actually a lot of Christians are activists but they are acting as Arabs, not as Christians. And, I get you it. Know, it's like my name is You know, it is an Arab name, it's not a Christian name. And wherever I go, and when I went to Salvador to, to, to reach out there, they first ask me on the side, are you Muslim or Christian? And why you are, if you are Muslim, how you are running a Christian organization? I told them, no, I am I'm originally, original Christian. You know, I am. Christian, but my name is Arabic because, you know, sure. when they called me you know, they didn't think about Christianity, they thought about where where I am from. That's one thing. The other thing is that our people, you know, because you, you are immigrated to a Christian country, usually we want to get together and we go to church for the social events, not really for praying sometimes. You know, you do right. praying, then we have the coffee hour, then how to socialize. I did the opposite. I went to the American church, you know, and I converted the American church from pro-Israelis to pro-Palestinians because I start talking. My wife, yes, is Ecuadorian. They thought I'm Hispanic as as you're thinking. And one time I have a priest from the Holy Land, came, you know, to the church, he preached and then I stood next to him and you know I am Eucharistic minister I starts giving the Eucharist and next to him and you know and he told them this is one of my parishioners and before that they used to talk about the Arabs the Palestinians you know uh, these are terrorists and all of that then after he came and they were impressed and they felt that it is from the Holy Land preach preaching about the Holy Land and I went to them I said now, what you are going to do? You have a terrorist Eucharistic minister. What are you going to do about it? Then they realize that you have to switch and they have to have better understanding. And the whole church uh, did a partnership with the church in, in Palestine. You know, you need to get out of our even the Muslims too. You know, they, they go to mosques to have more Arabs, more things. And the Christian go to church. We have to go and reach out to the Americans, regardless of their religion, as the Jewish they do, and they. this is how they affect them, and they have friends. We don't have too many American friends. We are always close, you know, in our society about, we need to get together as Arabs, oh, he's an Arab, he is this, he's that, you know, but we need to get more American friends in order to bring them to our side and let them know we are Americans Then we are, uh, you know, Arabs and Christians. We are Arab-Americans, but we are Christians or Muslims. This is how it should be.
1: And, and I know one of the things that you mentioned, I think, is, of course, we're Palestinian-Christian. We care about Palestine. We care about human rights for Palestinians. Uh, we work with the Muslim community on that. But aren't there a lot of Christian-Arab communities in the United States, in even in South America? How strong are they? Do we use our potential? In other words, as Christian Arabs, do we maximize our ability to change things? Are we using what we have to exact change that is fair to us?
3: Okay, uh, let me just uh, uh, give you an example of, of why, you know, what's happening. We are, regardless. Uh, uh... Arab, Muslim, or Christian, we immigrate to the Western world. Uh, the Christian, they, they they melt faster than the Muslim because of religion. You know, that's, that's one thing. But we are forgetting. We forget what's going to be happening there, and we start thinking as Americans, as Latin Americans. I went to Salvador, and I went to uh, uh, Honduras. We have over 200,000 Palestinian Mostly Christians are in Honduras and about over 100 in uh, Salvador. Nobody reach out to them like Israel reach out to their Jewish and they do uh, a lot of uh, things, you know, where they connect them with uh, what you call Israel in order to to keep them, uh, to give them identity they don't have. And it's not identity as Israeli. Their identity is our Jewish religion, religion. And uh, I found out that they don't know that they are really Palestinian. And some of them immigrated over there during Safar Balik, during the Ottoman Empire, where they were persecuting uh, persecuted the, the uh, Christians. And sometimes, you know, they felt they have nothing to do with there. I went there and I started working and uh, registering my other organization, KTH, As in there, in order to revive the Palestinian identity, culture, and heritage, and to let them know what's going on there, and that's one of the things you know uh, we have. I have two incidents where I have uh, with uh, uh, in Honduras about eight nine years ago when they voted for. Uh, recognizing palestine in the general assembly as as a state and they have a big events for the president they put me on on the table where he was sitting he gave a good speech and usually i have uh, a gift from the northern heritage if you see the key behind me i give them the key of palestine i said i'll give you the key of palestine but i would like before that you know, to thank you first for voting for 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 Palestine, but I want to let you know two things. You see, all these people around us—they are help. They help building Honduras. They are the one who made Honduras what it is now. One. Second, as a Palestinian Muslim and Christians, we saved Christianity for over two thousand years because Islam came in the seventh century. That's mean, and we continue saving Christianity because very important for us. That it is the holy land, and then, you know, you we you or us we don't owe you. And I'll give you the key of Palestine. You know to keep uh, supporting it. Uh, and we need to work on our Palestinians on how to do advocacy. Still, we don't know how to do advocacy. Now we are better, but we are not really fully organized.
1: Is it, Sir uh, Ratib, is it a mistake to focus just on Palestinians as Christian Arabs in the United States? Wouldn't we be much stronger if we said we were Christian Arabs or Arab Christian, as you point out? Um, wouldn't that be more effective where we could then help the Palestinians? We can help the Syrians because Americans can't tell the difference between Palestinians or Syrians or Jordanians? or Lebanese, we're the ones that see the difference, but they can't identify with American Christians. Don't you think? What do you think of that?
3: We are the one, the Palestinian, we suffer. I am the, the, the son of uh, Nakba survivor. You know, I'm not just any person. I wasn't, I didn't come here because just school. I was, my parents were kicked out of, of Jerusalem and they went to Jordan where I was born. And this is something, you know, uh, it, it is in your uh, uh, identity that you...
1: We've been in this country for years. You know, this conflict's been going on for 75 years. Have we, as Christian Arabs and or Arab Christians, have we done enough to get our voices heard so that these things don't happen?
3: Yes and no. As, as Arabs, we are Christians. We've done a lot. We are in, involved in every aspect of advocacy in the United States. But it's not known to the people that, you know, uh, we are uh, uh, Christians because we just work as, as Arab, as Palestinians. But on, on on that, did them enough? No, as the whole Arabs, the whole Palestinians, we didn't do enough because we are not organized. We don't have something where can lead us. We are divided. and this is. This is a problem we have. You know, I'm, I'm committed, you know, to, to Palestine. Uh, I raised $30 million from the Americans to, to Palestine during my war. I did a lot of changes. I made things happening within the church because I felt, you know, I used my uh, title, uh, uh, Knight Commander of the Holy Sepulchre, who was the Vatican order in order to trust me and to listen to me, and as as Catholic, not as a Palestinian, but I have the same views as Palestinian, and they have better understanding. And I found out who are our friends. We have a lot of friends in America. You know, we need to reach out to them, but we cannot reach out to them for Arab and Muslim. And Muslim gave us the support because when I started the organization, the first, uh, you know, the people who uh, uh, endorsed me are muslims especially the late hisham sharabi he's the first one he said this is a good idea and the christian they were against me because they thought i'm dividing you know the, the arabs between muslim and christian but finally uh, they they realized what i'm doing this is this is something you know we need to work on the uh, our our identity and how we can work on on that look at you know i don't want to talk about our divisions but we need to work as a Palestinian will be to start with on how we can have uh, uh, an umbrella not uh, coalition not this has to have something you know where organization can feed the information and how to do advocacy to all palestinians and to all arabs and to americans how to be on our side we don't have that you know each one works on his own
1: all right, my guess that you are one of the authorities when it comes to American Christians. You've done so much for the community. Um, I wish we've done more as a community, but I think we so appreciate everything you've done. Sir Ratab Rabi, co-founder, founder of Know Thy Heritage and the Holy Land Christian Ecumenical Foundation. Sir Ratab, thank you so much for joining
3: us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.
1: And that was a fascinating interview with Sir Rocket Robbie of the Holy Land Christian Ecumenical Foundation, um, kind of ending uh, today's episode on uh, our focus on Christians. We're going to take a quick break, um, so stay tuned to our program. We have a few minutes left, and but we'll be right back with our program right after these messages.
0: Hear news.com bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at arabnews.com. Join over five million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you. Life for Relief and Development has now been rated as one of the best charities for humanitarian aid. Life's humanitarian projects span the globe, and Life is celebrating its 30th anniversary of providing essential life-saving aid to people and communities in 36 countries, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. Where there is life, there is hope. And when disaster occurs here or around the world, including being one of the first responders to the Turkey-Syria earthquake crisis, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid and shelter to those in need. We are looking to help the earthquake victims and we take 0% overhead on emergency donations. So please help improve these efforts. Learn more about our involvement to help the helpless and bring hope where it's needed most and make your tax deductible donation to Life for Relief and Development now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. That's 248-424-7493.
1: And welcome back to The Ray Hanania Show, which uh, is proudly uh, broadcast on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. Arabradio.us is their website. And also proudly sponsored by Arab News newspaper, a phenomenal uh, newspaper in English. You can read their stories every day. Uh, They cover, uh, they have an edition in France, they have in Paris, they have an edition in Tokyo, they have an edition in Islamabad, they have editions in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, and also, of course, in Saudi Arabia, where they're based, and I am the U.S. Special Correspondent for the coverage of U.S. news. We have a bureau uh, in the United Nations with Ifram Kosafi and we have a number of freelance writers that we work with. Ellie Eunice is one, um, and T.J. Kramer is another, and we try to focus on Arab American issues. The most important, and we don't do that enough, and th- that was why I thought the interview with Mary Basta was so important, because Mary Basta, the mayor of Bolingbroke, is the epitome of what a successful Arab-American should be like. She isn't out there on a crusade fighting for some uh, cause 9,000 miles away. What she's doing is she is getting Americans to recognize that she is as American as they are, that she cares about the community where she lives, in this case, Bolingbroke, They recognized that and elected her mayor of Bolingbroke. And I'm telling you, that is not a small community. It's the 16th largest city in Illinois. And in Illinois, we got a lot of cities. Being in the top 20 gives you clout. She has a voice. Her vote, 75,000 votes in Bolingbroke, is not something you can just brush off and ignore. So she has a powerful platform uh, as an Egyptian Uh, American, is very proud, by the way, uh, to be Arab American. And I think that's the secret to success. You don't come to the United States and argue about all the tragedy and the problems that exist back home in the Middle East. I'm not saying you ignore it. I'm saying you don't come there and go to an American and say, you know, the Palestinians are being abused, they're being oppressed. Nobody cares. It's your fault. Um, That was the old message. The new message is you come to this country, you identify with Americans, you show Americans that you're smart, you show Americans that you are intelligent, you show Americans that you care about them, they get to know you, and they care about you. They listen to you. And they then understand when you add, not as the first issue, but as a second issue, what's happening in egypt needs to change or what's happening to palestine palestinians needs to change that is how you win a battle back home you don't win a battle back home by having a protest, by yelling and screaming, by calling people names, uh, by writing these angry, by being angry. Americans are busy. They got two cars. They got home mortgages. They got kids graduating from college. They have conflict all around them. Palestine is just one of 172 some countries at the United Nations. So you can't just throw your problems in their face. you got to be smart. And I'm telling you, they should teach a class called the mary Basta class on politics and when you understand that um instead of saying hey one day i'm palestinian i want to run for congress and i i remember two years ago uh, a certain palestinian came to me and said they wanted to do that and i said you're going to run for congress what did you ever do in the congressional district what is it that you did for the people the voters and he said, well, that's not the issue. I want to fight for Palestine. I said, that's great. Fight for Palestine. But before you can fight for Palestine, you need to fight for the American people. Anyway, I think that interview was so important. I just want to thank you for listening to the radio show. I want to thank Arab News for always sponsoring this program. And remember, you get more information by visiting ArabNews.com. And for on me personally, you go to Hanania.com. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody and to Layla Hosseini and the Arab News. We will be back next week. We're actually going to be interviewing um, Arab-American comedian and Hollywood actor Ahmed Ahmed. And we're going to have Lebanese NASCAR racer Tony Bridinger. So I hope we see you on our next show Wednesday, June 14th at 4 p.m. Central 5 p.m. Eastern in Detroit and Washington, D.C. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.